Good afternoon, everyone, or morning, whenever you're listening. Welcome to another great edition of What's the Plan Monterey County, available at whatstheplanmonterey.com. I'm here with my two uh, esteemed hosts, uh, Dan Miller of former PG Press fame, and other things, too. He's on the PG City Council, and he was a male escort for a time back in Las Vegas, but we won't talk about that. And then, of course, the great Mark Carbonero. Dan was not a male escort, everybody. Just take that off your minds. But uh, Mark Carbonero is also here. He has been heard. His, his The sweet baritone of Mark's vo- voice has been heard throughout Monterey County for going on three decades now, maybe more. But uh, welcome to the program, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, and to clarify the escort thing, for the right amount of money, it could still happen. So. <laughs> All right, that's what I love about Dan. He's a he's a he's a man of the man of the streets. But um, yeah. So to lead off, why don't we talk about like we we actually did one of our listeners, Jared, actually wrote in about medical costs a few weeks ago, and uh, this week it was announced in the Pinecone and I think the Monterey we- County Weekly also uh, mentioned it in other news outlets that Kaiser is going to be coming to uh, Salinas first. Mark, do you know more about it um, other than what was printed? Well, the, the plan is to have a Kaiser facility, some sort of clinic, up and uh, going by 2025 or early 2025 in North Salinas. It'll be in a in the shopping center adjacent to the um, to the auto mall, not Northridge Mall, but where the auto mall is, there's a shopping center that kind of winds around the backside of it. And uh, there was a Babies R Us store there that went uh, went out of business. And it's a rather large space that's empty. So that's apparently going to be Kaiser's first footprint in Monterey County. And then I guess depending on how well that does, their plan is to open a facility in Marina. So uh, this could provide some much-needed competition for the other four hospitals in Monterey County. Um, I don't think it's going to hugely affect the little hospital down in King City because of, uh, you know, distance. But I'd say for, for SVMH and, um, and Natividad, it will provide some, some pretty good competition. I don't know how much it's going to impact CHOMP uh, because they've got a you know, a pretty well-satisfied clientele on the peninsula from basically Monterey through Carmel Valley. And I don't know if, I, you know, for a lot of those people to drive to Marina is like you're telling them to drive to the other side of the planet. And uh, they just like everything to be within a couple minutes of where they live. So, but SVMH's CEO said that um, a Kaiser facility in Salinas could really negatively impact the bottom line of Salinas Valley Memorial Healthcare System. That's that is interesting. Well, what I think, and I go to Montage, is I tried to schedule my annual physical this just la- a couple days ago, as a matter of fact, and I found they when I called them, they said, "Well, first off, you've your primary care provider, you've been removed because it's been too long." And then they said, but conveniently, you can we can sign you up with someone else with your you know insurance, and it will be a scant six months. It's the earliest possible appointment. <laughs> so, so I think there is a need for a competition because I think a lot of times they're overbooking the existing uh, medical professionals. They're like, okay, if you need a prescription, they might have to see you every five months for the prescription or whatever. And I I, I just think there's if, if that's how the medical you know. 
that's how the medical profession is going to go, then we need more doctors and physicians, assistants and nurses, particularly in our community, because it's a, it's a little bit older community. Right. What, do you, what do you think? Dan? I don't, I don't know that it's going to uh, affect anybody that much because we, there is such a backlog. I think how it's going to affect people is you're going to be able to get in sooner to see a doctor somewhere because it's being spread among other places. That babies are us. They, you know, have, have when I had my twins, we were out there all the time. That's a large building. And, uh, but it's kind of like now, you know, my mom's 94 and she's got to go to, uh, out to Ryan Ranch now because all the doctors have moved out there. She's got to go to Ryan Ranch for almost all her, her doctor stuff. That's and, true. Like it's either there or there's a facility out on Imgen in Marina. So there yeah, is which is like six of one half dozen of the other. And again, depending on what doctor you're seeing, like you know, a bunch of my doctors are in Ryan Ranch now. And um, I, you know, there to me, there's no such thing as too many doctors on the Monterey Peninsula because the the average age now. Like in Pacific Road, it's like 60 or something, you know. It's like uh, and at some point in time, uh, reality hits. And obviously, they've done market research. Kaiser Permanente is not stupid. You know, they'll end up uh, doing just fine and everybody else will. The, the building's 31,000 square feet. I mean, that's yeah. huge. Consider, you know, the basic house is about 18 to 2,000, 15 times bigger than a... If my math well, you know is correct. What, you know what size that is? That would be equivalent, uh, the equivalent size of the Lucky Store in Pacific Grove, because that's about 30,000 square feet. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to say. I would be, wouldn't be surprised if I think the the montage um, place out on Imgen is probably about 30,000 square feet. Yeah. So it'd be, that's two stories, but yeah, it could be somewhere in that, that rough, um, yeah. in that vicinity, yeah. And for people who think that they're, is, you know, well, you know, is there enough of a customer base for another hospital facility eventually on the peninsula? What a lot of people forget or don't even know is if you think back, you know, prior to about 1985, we had three hospitals, acute care hospitals on the Monterey Peninsula. Besides Chomp, you had Monterey Escaton on Hartwell yeah. Street in downtown Monterey, the old Monterey General. And you had Silas Hayes out at Fort Ord. Now, that was a military hospital. But if, um, you know, if you were involved in a really bad accident out on Highway 1 and you had seconds, you know, mere minutes to live, they would ambulance you into that hospital to get you stabilized before sending you somewhere else. So I think that there's enough population to support another hospital facility here. And I would assume too that they built out the marina. I, yeah, and I, I would guess that this is just a... Um, this is just going to be a primary care um, facility. It's not going to be a hospital because I, I imagine yeah. Natividad. Yeah, Natividad will still because Natividad's a pr premier hospital. They take mm -hmm. a lot of people in the peninsula out there when it's really bad for some stuff. I think I think Monterey's or Chomp has a good cardiology department, right. but I but I think for other stuff, Natividad like for urgent care and things like that. Thirty-one thousand square feet. I wouldn't be surprised if they did uh, minor surgeries kind of thing. You know, like the in and out stuff, like the outpatient uh, stuff. Yeah, hernias and things like that. Right, and you know, um, the you know Kaiser Permanente is all about an integrated healthcare system. You know, soup to nuts, they do everything, and uh, they they have their economies of scale, which allows them to offer better prices to people. So I could even see at some point 
a hospital being built in Marina, you know, that they would be looking for a place to put a, a full-service hospital there uh, as part of the Kaiser plan. That would make sense, yeah, Mark, because the Marina is really expanding, what, with Campus Town and, and right. the build-out of, of course, in Bayonet and other places, I think. And they got the space, too. Yeah, they got the and space. You, and Marina would be a really, you know, if Marina was ni- nicer, and it is getting, it's very nice, actually, It's and it's getting nicer by the minute, it really is the place to live because you, it's sunnier there. You got a view of the ocean, and you're 30 minutes or 25 minutes closer to the Bay Area. So if you want to go north for right. things, so I can see there's a huge appeal to living up there. Of course, I love our little quaint hamlet of PT, but but it is. Oh, I yeah. like go but, to Marina I, I think and you got Fort too, Ord. Great hiking. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Mark. But no, just the other thing about that is that. Uh, the reason why it's a good location for a hospital is it's accessible, easily accessible for both Peninsula and Salinas residents because you're 15 minutes from Monterey and 20 minutes from Salinas at, you know, at the worst, you know, getting out there. My, my nephew's the broker of those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of houses being sold out there. He works for, um, Oh, the dunes and all that. Yeah. Yeah. The dunes. Yeah, they're yeah. building like they're. Have you have you been out there? They're doing four hundred and something more. They're about to start releasing yeah. them. And out by like the REI and stuff. There's just a ton of. Um, I think there are oh, apartments yeah. and some townhouses and. Yep. And, then, and when you get into the dunes, you know, yeah. a very large percentage of the people that come in and buy houses uh, commute to the Bay Area. Right. And the reason why they chose Marina is because you know they're not a high crime rate and stuff and. They're able to jump on 101 without too much trouble. So, uh, you know, whereas if they're, you know, Pacific Grove and stuff, you got to wind your way all the way through, you know, Monterey and everything else to get to, to 101. It's, so, it would be a great place. That convenience is a, a real selling point for that project. And what they sell every freaking house they build and have a waiting list to. For their next release. Well, and, and if you're not a well healed person from the Bay Area and you're just a well healed person from Monterey, you could also buy one of the apartments or condos and rent it out to either military families or CSUMB students. So I think you could make it a lucrative uh, investment property as well. well the sale prices over there are ridiculous, so maybe not. He said the best thing they ever did, the big greatest return on investment, was they did houses that had like a granny unit. Oh, and yeah. people would buy the house and live in it and then rent out the granny unit. And for what they paid for the the whole thing, they almost got back by renting the granny unit. And now, since everything's gone up since they built that, because I think that was their, one of their first stages, uh, all those people that bought them made out very, very well. But great idea. Yeah, right? Mark's right. All those grannies can go right over to the uh, Kaiser Permanente hospital. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Perfect. That's all they um, need to do. And the uh, here's. Here up on my screen, and you can't see on the radio, so it's fun that I talk about it because you can't see it. I have a second article. This one's from the Pine Cone. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it wasn't Ted Knight, but it was uh, <laughs> it was Knight. Uh, I forgot his first name, but he. They said Ted Knight. It says an article. It is Ted Knight. Wow. Well, now, Mark, you'll know. Okay, hey, now we're really. <laughs> Yeah, now we're really down a rabbit. Wasn't that uh, the Cincinnati radio station? Wasn't there a Ted? No, it was no, Mary no. Tyler Moore. Yeah, Mary the Tyler Moore. Man. That okay. was that was uh, uh, that was the name of the actor, Ted Knight, and yeah. uh, the character was Ted Baxter, and and then of course uh, Ted Knight was in the um, very famous as Judge Smales in the first Caddyshack. Yeah, 
That's great. right. Which, which, okay, which we alluded to before the program with some Rodney Dangerfield. But I, I don't know why I'm thinking. Uh, what was it? K. What is the one in Cincinnati? K. WKRB. WKRB in Cincinnati. P. There was a character in that that was kind of like um, a Ted Knight so, or Ted Baxter's. Oh wait a minute! You might be thinking of the uh, the pompous sales yes, manager. Yes, the, the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Les Nesman wasn't, and he, he wasn't like Ted, but uh, no, you're thinking no. of probably um, Herb Car- Herb Tarlack, Herb who was the Tarlack. salesman. Yeah. Right? The My God, that, Mark. You're, the encyclopedic knowledge that you've wasted, that genius of a brain. Well, you know, Just I like you could be putting people on Mars right now. Instead, yeah. you remember who Ted Baxter was. Come on. I, I got to tell you, I worked with people like, I mean, when, when that Hugh Wilson cast that show some 40 plus years ago, he must have known, he must have had a friend in radio who described character traits of the certain jobs at the station because I must have worked over the years with half a dozen guys who were exactly like the Herb Tarlock character. You know, wearing white shoes 365 days a year, uh, striped <laughs> pants, and, you know, a plaid shirt or something like that, you know, with a big wide tie. I mean, they were just... You could always tell the sales guys when they came in from the way they dressed. <laughs> yeah. And having wow. encountered a few of those myself buying advertising. Yeah, you see. Yeah, he knows. And the DJ was as, you know, Johnny Fever was about right. as sort of spot on as you could ever get. Right. There are certain things people don't miss. And uh, I think door to door salesmen are probably one of them. A full of brush, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to let somebody come into your house and throw dirt on your carpet? <laughs> didn't get past the doorway stranger danger stranger danger so the monterey city attorney and I, I assume she is not doing this as in her capacity of the monterey city attorney but she wants to sue the Carm- carmel unified school district uh over ted knight's uh seven hundred thousand dollar severance package um and i think if i'm reading this correctly is she asking the the school district's um, board members who approved it to actually pay for this is that am I reading that it, it won't ever happen you can't you're protected you know it it'd be the school district would end up having to pay for it the school district well yeah that makes more sense but I guess it's something she uh, the person who's suing uh, the the school district is saying there was five hundred and twenty four thousand dollar overpayment and we've talked about this on on the show before. And it was kind of a, and Mark, you, because of that uh, voluminous and uh, photographic memory of yours, it was something to do, there was some sort of inordinate or some untoward um, conduct by a janitor that was reported and was not sufficiently acted upon by the superintendent. Is that correct? Something like that. And, uh, but I was more concerned or, or what motivated me to get involved in that story was just the, the huge amount of the go away money that they gave this guy, yeah. which... The contention in the suit is that it was far beyond what would be reasonable and expected for that uh, level of service, you know, the number of years that that person was there, which was like a cup of coffee. And how much discretion... See, what I don't know is, has anyone... He was there for only like a year and a half. But has, has there been any legal determination that the board didn't have the authority to award any amount of money that they feel is necessary or reasonable. If, if the bylaws that govern the board, you know, in the school district, 
uh, say, well, if they effectively say that the board has a blank checkbook and whatever they think is right is right, then, you know, do you really have a case or not? And what we haven't heard at all is, is there anything in the bylaws that restricts the amount of money that the board can pay someone off with? There's, I know, like for city stuff, there's actually, I believe it's a state law that says, you know, you can only do, you know, this table kind of thing and paying somebody off. The, the problem is when you have inept attorneys, which there's a lot of them floating around, that don't uh, have put separation agreements into contracts, then you've got a problem. For instance, in Pacific Grove, there was no separation uh, thing in, in the city manager's uh, clause in the city manager's contract. So instead of saying, we don't want you anymore, you're an at-will employee, we can get rid of you for cause or without cause, and here we give you $180,000 in a box of donuts. And you're done with it. You don't have, oh, we might go to court, it would cost us this much, this would be horrible, this would be terrible, let's just get rid of it. You know, but when you have an attorney that doesn't put that in there, uh, then you got a problem. You should all, people got have to realize, and this goes, and we've talked about this before, about people that really don't know what they're doing on the city council, that you need to have some concept of what should go into an agreement. Years ago, I made this, it basically strangled people in the city to get them to start having drop-dead dates for projects. So if you come in, you get a contract, and it says you're going to be done by June 30th, 2024. If you're not done by June 30th, 2024, you start getting docked for every day your yeah. project is They're, not It's done. called liquidated damages. It's very, very common, Dan. And but they I, don't do it. I would, well, I would think in the day, now that, now that we have chat GPT and AI, there's absolutely no reason why an attorney wouldn't know all of the, the you know, the parts of a contract uh, because well, I'm sure that AI could easily identify, Hey, you don't have a separation agreement, but I do want to ask you, Dan, if you could pontificate Steve Mark, by the way, and a little aside here, words that have rarely been said in the world is Dan, I'd like you to pontificate uh, at length about a, a subject, but I'm about to, I'm about to throw us down that well, Mark. So can you detail for us exactly how, um, ben Harvey, the former PG oh, city God. manager's severance package was determined because like, did they just pull that number out of their keister or was that in a separate, I mean, like how did they end up with such a huge oh, amount? It was, no, it, I'm making tons of money too. So it's like, right. what a great rap. Yeah, which it should have been if you, and if you get another job within six months or a year or whatever, we don't have to pay you squat, you know, and pay them by the month. But, uh, Basically, probably what happened, having not been in there, but they, uh, what happens is they come in and they say, look, this is what we're going to do to stay out of court. You need to give us this much. And that's why I say, I believe there's a state law that says you can only pay them like, I think it's 18 months or something of their pay. Now, of their regular pay. Now, he got way more than that. So maybe somebody's going to end up suing the city. Hey, freaking Miss Dabby, come over to Pacific Grove and help us out. But, uh, again, you're being guided by a, 
a whole group of attorneys, not just an attorney, a whole group of attorneys when you're getting to that point because you got somebody that's a labor attorney and a government attorney and everything else. Yeah, that's why you hire a firm that has all those people like PG did last time. But you're only as good as the advice. You, the people up there, we got one attorney up that's on that council and anybody that thinks he's going to give some great insight to something like this is probably it's pretty sadly mistaken. Who is the uh, attorney? Is it Chaps? Nick Smith. No, oh, Nick Smith. Is a traveling salesman. Speaking of traveling salesman, <laughs> so um, the uh, so they come in, they say that they you know come out, they announce it, and and they move on, you know. And as far as there being limits, there needs to be. There needs to be severance things and everything, but. The uh, the crazy thing is in Ojai, where now he's gone to to work, I actually caught on and talked to the newspapers down there. They printed stuff before they had their meeting. They um, I called in before the meeting to hire where they were talking about hiring him happened and told just a nutshell of stuff that had happened here and you know, and reveal, revealing stuff from closed session and all the other stuff he did. And, um, and I said, you know, the bottom line is you might think you're hiring him to work for you. He's going to make you work for him. And I said, somebody, a very successful businessman, uh, actually it was an ag guy over in Salinas, said to me one time, you ask uh, one question of people that uh, come in, get your job and give you a recommendation. You call that a recommendation and you say, I want to know one thing. Would you hire him again? And I told the people of Ojai, I wouldn't hire him again. Now, but you got to realize, Ojai has five council people. They're elected from districts, so they have to convince what? Do they got six thousand people? So they got to convince twelve hundred people minus kids and people who don't vote to vote for them. On a board of five, my understanding is two of them, their main income comes from being masseuse, and one comes from yoga. Hmm. Well, yes. Yeah, so those are the talk about underqualified people with no experience that should not be there, you know. And and it's crazy. And you know who the mayor beat in the last election? You're going to love this, Poxy Weber, Anson Williams. Yep. And it went months. He was ahead. By like 100 votes, everybody thought he won. Then they did a recount, and all of a sudden found all sorts of votes. So Potsy and didn't win. he ended up losing. And this woman, who's who I think actually has a degree from Stanford, but is a yoga teacher at a private school down there, ends up being the mayor. And they're, they're just vacant. There is nothing there. They think, you know, and I warned them and said, uh, uh, Ben Harvey, can absolutely charm you to death, but you need, and you'll have an excuse as to why he lost his job, just like he did with us with Avalon. But you don't take those. Take reality. There's a reason we were willing to give him, this city council was willing to give this guy almost $500,000 to get out of here. And the funny thing is, that, that um, hold on just a second, folks, those pesky phone calls. Uh, the, the funny thing is, and I knew this would be the fact, the same people that so, sold us a bill of goods, the headhunters that sold us a bill of goods with them, also were the same headhunters for the city of Ojai. 
and probably said the same stuff they did to us. Oh, it's not him. It's the, it's the board. It's the council. You know, it's absolutely unconscionable that somebody would hire him again without doing their due diligence. And there is no way they did their due diligence. There were people that I understand, there were grand juries that investigated him in conflicts. There's things like the ATC that never got going. There were projects that that uh, the city council turned down, then he went ahead and did them and then came to the council and says, well, now you, the pay, bills do, you gotta pay up whether you want to or not. I mean, just insane stuff. The, the housing element, where he fired the people the council had contracted with and hired somebody else and then told the council he'd done it and said, well, the problem was they weren't producing the product. And so someone went to him and said, hey, is this true you weren't producing the product? He said, this is from the first people. We could not get community development people to return our phone calls. Now, how are you going to do the project if you can't get the city's key people to return your phone calls? Oh, by the way, that person is now working over in the city of Monterey for the head of their housing. And Ed Smith, if by some chance you actually listen to this, please answer my message that I sent to you to call me so that I can talk to you about this stuff. Because you guys are, you know, you're one out of five over there that will actually probably listen to something. And you guys are just going down a road right now that is just unbelievable. You know, the people in the city of Monterey have to wake up even more than the, the people in the city of Pacific Grove. We're, we're kind of sleepy trying to get that first cup of coffee in the morning to get going. Monterey, you're in a, in a freaking coma, for God's sake. Well, I... Nice diatribe. Is that, good? Is that, uh, that was a great diatribe, okay. I got to say, Dan. But I do, I do have one last question before we move to the next sto uh, story. Would Penny Marshall have won the Ohio uh, mayoral race? That's well, well, since she's dead, probably not. Though, oh, wait, she is. Penny the Marshall. So, oh yeah, she's dead. I, thought, years ago. Oh, that's, that, I think Shirley's isn't Shirley dead too? Oh. Yeah, I believe so. Ah, oh, they are both gone. But all the guys are uh, are still alive. No, uh, right, well, well, Squiggy's gone, but the other guy is. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Squiggy yeah. is. Yeah, Lenny's Squiggy. still around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe we'll have to go to Happy Days. What an epic oh, show that was. Do we, do we feel we to go to Watch Happy Days currently. And you'll feel a little uncomfortable with some stuff in there. Stuff that would not pass muster these days. Uh, well, DIE is going to DIE at some point. That's all I got to say. Let's go to the next story. The next story is, and, and this is what I'm fascinated to get Mark's take. Ah, on. we talked. Mark talked about this. Is this? Yeah, hotels are reporting slower bookings in advance of the reimagined AT and T. Now, I know Mark and his his good friend David Marzetti pontificate wildly about this uh, topic quite a bit because. Well, Mark, go over the format change and why you thought this might happen. Okay, because the, well, first off, the field is going to be half of what it was in previous years. So there are going to be 80 pros and 80 amateurs rather than 156 pros and 156 amateurs. That's like, what, 312 golfers uh, previously. And it was played on three courses. Now it'll be played on two courses. The Pro-Am will be on Pebble Beach and Spyglass. And uh, the golfers, there's no cut. So the 160 golfers uh, play 
Thursday, Friday, and then the pros, the 80 pros, play the weekend. And that's it. And I believe the weekend rounds are only on the Pebble Beach links. Um, the pay, the purse has gone from $9 million last year's purse to $20 million this year, and the winner is going to get double the money that the winner received last year. So it's going to be like $3.5 million for winning that, plus you get FedEx Cup points, which which you did get under the old format. But what I'm reading from the Chambers of Commerce and County Visitor, you know, Convention Visitors Bureau, is some of the hotels are reporting uh, some softness in reservations, particularly for early in the week. Because, you know, a lot of people would come for the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday celebrity shootouts and all that kind of stuff that was going on. And that would fill the hotels, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Different group of people, maybe, that would be coming in Thursday through Sunday. So without those events, uh, the hotels uh, are reporting the demand is softer Monday through Wednesday. But a number of the hotels are saying, hey, the demand is softer all the way through, that we're not seeing the same level of reservations that we've seen in previous years. Now, the the real acid test is going to be when it all starts to happen next week, and it'll be what do the shops and the restaurants report? You know, basically, Fisherman's Wharf, uh, Cannery Row, Pacific Grove, Carmel. What are we going to hear from the merchants, particularly in Carmel? And what are we going to hear from the restaurateurs? Because in you know, previous programs, you would go into Carmel Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday night, and it's just bonkers, right? Good luck finding a parking space. I'd be very interested to see uh, what the town looks like come Thursday of next week. I'll tell you, I was down at um, the wharf Friday and Saturday and uh, talked about just dead, just dead. Like nobody, and it wasn't the uh, Sunday especially was really nice, and I, uh, you know, if this is people are saying, you know, it's happening. You know, you might pull out some figure to make things look good because your political parties are responsible for it, but reality is boots on the ground. I'm not seeing it. You know, and, and this idea where you get rid of the celebrities, I think they're still going to have. Sports people, though, is that right? right Mark? That's right. Yeah, Tom Brady, people like that, mm-hmm. and but still, you know, people come for the Bill Murrays, you know, and uh, and like the article said that Mary Shelley did, uh, you know, if if you're having your uh, all the corporation things have gone away, and all the you know the fancy suites and all that kind of stuff, well, then you lose the corporate groups that spend all the money because it's a write-off, you know, and uh, I think, you know, golf-wise might be a wonderful thing. Last I heard, like, 48 out of the 50 uh, top people in the uh, Federal Express points uh, had committed because it's one of those that they're pretty much required to go to now. So you're going to have, if you love golf and want to see golfers, uh, real golfers and not celebrities, it's going to be the thing. But I'll tell you what, very when I've been out there, very few uh, golfers, aside from people like Tiger Woods, get swarmed for autographs. 
But if you're, you know, Kevin Costner, who happens to be in the picture in the pine cone, uh, you get sworn for autographs every freaking place you go. And it does something for the whole whole community because they eat out at the restaurants. You know, they say, and then Bill Murray actually rented by the year. So he'd have the same room every year. He rented a room in Pacific Grove in a, in a motel, and he'd stay there whenever he'd come to, to um uh, the peninsula, whether it be for for the AT and T or some other reason, but obviously wasn't living there, but rented it by the year. Right. I, and, I it's very sad. I I've noted before that uh, when I was there, uh, Wayne, or actually it was uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, gave my daughter a fist bump, which was really cool, and I got to speak a little bit with a very tipsy Wayne Gretzky, who was playing along, always <laughs> catting him, and it was it was a it was a highlight of my year. That yeah, I mean it was really it was a lot of fun. So I some of that fun I think in the and being amongst the fans will go away. But as you mentioned, uh, uh, Dan, that it sounds like the getting rid of the skyboxes is yeah. Is, uh, Hotels aren't getting the corporate groups. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. You know, I, I remember. Well, it's funny. It even, it even uh, sinks down to. I know a guy that does, uh, is one of those autograph hounds. You know, that get, goes out and gets signatures. You know, like the Emmys, the Oscars, outside fancy restaurants in LA, stuff like that. And he was going to come up here, but now he's decided not to because all he'd be getting is golfers, which aren't as valuable as, you know, Kevin Costner and people like that. So it, there's a trickle down effect that goes, trickles down about as far as it can go. And, right. and, uh, I don't know that if this is going to look like it was a great move on, uh, on AT&T's part to say, yeah, we want that. That guy times a thousand. You know, you, it could be, <laughs> yeah. that, it could be that guy times a thousand, a thousand times. Well, what it could be though, we're not we're not fully looking at the full picture here though tv ratings might be higher and that could be well, you know that could be a bigger deal I don't, see it. I don't see it because the tv ratings are always really high for the pro am see that's one of the things why for example the golf channel would have it you know all day on thursday and friday and mm -hmm. they would have it the they would have the morning rounds on saturday so they would pick it up beginning like at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning up until noon when they had to give it up to CBS because CBS is like the, you know, they have the overall rights. But as I recall, the, um, the ratings on the Pro-Am as a celebrity event are comparable to those of the big golf tournaments like the Masters and the Open and so forth because it draws so many people that would never watch golf otherwise. Right. People will tune yeah, in. They, they want to see Bill Murray. Exactly. And all these, yeah. yeah, because then, yeah. then golf becomes, when they can see Bill Murray or Huey Lewis or Kevin Costner playing golf. Or the, or the drummer from Smashing Pumpkins or yeah. whatever. You know, whoever, then all yeah. of a sudden, golf becomes yeah. relatable to them. But, yeah. you know, are they going to tune by because, you know, the, the third-ranked golfer in the world is, they, they don't, you couldn't even name them. You, you know, now that Tiger yeah. Woods can't play anymore. Uh, who's the big name in golf? I couldn't even tell you who the number one guy is. Oh, there is like John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau. Who? But anyway, I do want to, I do want to point a couple things out who? here. Is first off, yeah, exactly. Well, also split. I mean, remember, there's the two different right. Yeah, golf. No, but they're combined. Now. They're, they're, they're all one now. You know, the big problem. I think really the big problem with golf is that the greatest, the the, the, yeah. the greatest players 
whoever the top 10 players are, there's zero personalities. I mean, there isn't anybody of the status or stature of a Jack Nicholas, well, an Arnold Palmer. There's a, no charisma. There's no charisma. That's because no you're – that's because you're old, Mark, just like me. If you talk, <laughs> if you talk to the great, the great David Marzetti, I'm sure he would, he would he respectfully agrees. disagree. He hey, agrees. you know what? I'm, I'm kind of into golf, you know, especially because my son's, you know, taking it up. And, um, I, you know, I got to say, I watch, I appreciate the shots and stuff, but picking more than two or three out of them out of a lineup. Uh, I couldn't do. We right. really need someone to dress in knickers like uh, Payne Stewart. That would solve it all. But again, um, that was charisma. See, that's that what I'm saying. You Lee know what? I got to John Daly. Lee, Tre- Lee Trevino was hilarious. Lee Chichi Trevino was. Rodriguez. He could. Lee, yeah. yeah, Lee Trevino could have been a comedian. Chichi yeah. Rodriguez. Yeah. Sharp guy. Uh, you don't, have, do have, you don't this... have people like that on the tour anymore. And that's a problem for the tour. I got to say a couple things. First off, uh, it's not; it's no longer the Monterey County Convention and Visitors Bureau. It is now C Monterey, S E E Monterey. And I don't. Why didn't they do that marketing before? They're supposed to be marketing geniuses. Well, the name Monterey County Convention hey, and Visitor Bureau uh, was awful. Anyway, go ahead. Here, here's here's your real question behind that. And I used to be on that board for a while. Is why is it C Monterey when Pacific Grove gives them hundreds of thousands? Carmel gives them hundreds of thousands. Pebble Beach, everybody gives a ton of money, but it's not C Pacific Grove or C Pebble Beach or whatever. So we're all basically subsidizing C Monterey. But I think it's a brand. And if you go on their website, you'll see that in spades. If you were, suppose you live in Duluth or Davenport, uh, India, not Davenport, north of Santa Cruz. Uh, suppose you live in one of those places. You, if you're going out here, you're not going to say, "I'm, yeah, I'm going," you know, "I'm going to uh, Moss Landing." No, you're going to say, "I'm going to go to Monterey." Well, you know? that was a bad example. But you go to Pebble Beach, you go to Carmel <laughs> and Pacific Grove. You market it as the place that Big Little Lies is filmed and all the butterflies come to. But again, I think, I think that's what they're doing. See how much energy is done for that. I think they're branding the the. You know the whole peninsula as Monterey, the Mon- the greater well, area. That's great for Monterey. Okay, so I, yes, it is Monterey, great for Monterey. What do you put in bookings.com or whatever when you book it? You put in Monterey, and you hey. get all the Monterey listings. All right, all right, curmudgeon. Hey, you want to put you want to put a spring in your step? Google Monterey and look at the images. They're all of. Uh, the beach right out by Lover's Point. So, 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 so you're publicizing Pacific Grove. It's bait and switch kind of thing. Oh, look at <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's the purple yeah. carpet by by the beach house at Lover's Point that every single picture, like if you Google Monterey, at least the last time I did, that's what you're going to get, that picture. I'll do so it right again, now. that's why you're coming. Whereas Monterey has probably out of Pacific Grove, Carmel, you know, Big Sur, Monterey probably has the most boring beaches on the peninsula. Actually, no, I stand corrected. I have, I got a picture of the Lone Cypress, uh, the Big Sur coastline, Fisherman's Wharf, Bixby Bridge, and then PG, and then another picture of Bixby Bridge. So out of the six pictures that showed up under the Monterey, California search, only one of them is actually Monterey. So I stand corrected, sort of. Yeah, uh, so why do we call it C Monterey? How about C Monterey and the rest of the city surrounding it? Or C Monterey it? County, maybe? I don't know. 
the other uh, the other thing I had, this is totally obtuse, but that's the way I roll, is if I had a degree from Stanford, and I were and I, the reason I thought of this was because I was thinking the poor masseuses uh, aren't going to get their uh, their coin during the pro am because there's not going to be as many backs to massage. But the second thing is, if I were a, a person from Stanford, were, why would I work as a masseuse? Like, if I had a degree from Stanford, why would I want to be a masseuse? No like, yeah, it's kind of an odd choice. But it well, guys, the, the Stanford one's a yoga instructor. Oh, she was a yoga. I'm sorry. I was thought that was a masseuse. I, I'm all over the map. But uh, tonight, anyway, as Mark said, when you're drinking a drink uh, tonight, Saturday night, um, yeah, have a sip for the poor masseuses that aren't going to make as much money at the program. <laughs> oh, they'll find somewhere to go. <laughs> uh, so anyway, hey, did you hear during Dava, speaking of that kind of thing, I mean, I was being a little facetious, and I don't mean to besmirch the good names of the masseuses in Monterey County, but did you hear that during Davos, the uh, – the escort services were all booked full, uh, that, and that's the World Economic Forum. So all the world leaders can, can you know, converge uh, on Davos, Switzerland, and the uh, and the exotic, um, all the exotic em- entertainment was completely booked up for that uh, for that visit. Anyway, I hate to say it, but probably back home, all their wives were, were they having their own fun. Yeah, that's right. Well, there are moral betters, everyone. So what do we got here? Oh, this is this is Dan uh, kind of clickbait here. So this. Uh, the story we're looking at now is a new bread and breakfast could be coming to Pacific Grove oh, after panel okays it. Yeah. You, did, are you uh, aware of this, Dan? I don't know if you were aware. I'm aware of it. It was at the city council the other day. And, um, you know, it, it's why not? You know, it, depending on if the people directly around it don't have a big problem with it. You know, which I don't, to my knowledge, there was no big hue and cry. Tony Chiani lives miles away from it, the person that that uh, uh, filed the appeal. Um, it, you know, bed and breakfast, uh, to me, aren't even, as strange as it sounds, having known a few people that owned them in down, uh, they're less... Uh, intrusive than SDRs to an extent because you have people on site that are managing them and watching over them and making sure that you know people are behaving themselves. Hey, yeah, you don't get groups. Yeah, of some SDRs that yeah. do it that way that you know the owners stay there, but by and large they don't. So uh, and again, all SDRs aren't bad. You know, not you know I'm not saying that. They just—it's kind of like pickleball. They belong certain places. If I if I've got a, a house surrounded by an acre of land, don't complain that they got an STR there unless they're having you know weddings for five hundred people or something. You know, it's ridiculous. Just use common sense for God's sake. Well, you deflated my balloon. I thought I thought we'd have more opinions, but let's. I you know I only thing I have left on the story front. So hopefully you guys brought something. Is the editorial that uh, Paul Miller wrote in the Pinecone, I thought it was it was kind of, uh, I don't know, it's kind of interesting, the, the border um, crisis, because we are a border state still, and it's interesting that nobody, you know, when you go on to all major news channels, except for maybe Fox and all the p- newspapers, nobody's really mentioning the open borders. And um, it's which, interesting. Which is that- the number one thing that it was said in Iowa and New Hampshire, the number one problem in this country. It's not even inflation or anything else now. 
It's the lack of an immigration policy. You're going to have, by the end of this year, especially because they're going to start really flooding if it looks like Trump's going to win, you're going to end up with 10 million people that will have come across those borders in four years that now have to be fed and housed, hopefully found jobs. They need to be schooled. They could be... Uh, yeah, the new terminal at uh, in the Boston airport is now being used to house migrants. Also, in I schools, wanna... they're closing schools to house to house migrants. One one thing is interesting from a California piece of news, and I'd like to I I have to admit I I've only anecdotal knowledge of this, but in in Imperial Beach, do you guys know where Imperial Beach is? It's the southernmost tip of California, south of San Diego. There's a town right. called Imperial Beach, and they say in the summer there the smell of feces and trash is so overwhelming and and the people that i've talked to uh think that it's because the large number of homeless people living right at the border there nearby and they're just you know going to the bathroom and and throwing their trash right there at the border and it just it wafts over into imperial beach and it's making it almost a place where you can't live in the summer it's just so overwhelming like even inside you're starting to smell the smell and everything so it's a real problem, and I and I don't know why we're not a little. I don't know why the the media is so slow to take it up, or the Biden administration isn't. I mean, this is an easy win for them. They could just reverse their policies and do the remain in Mexico or something, and, and it probably would would go away quickly, probably within six months. But anyway, I just wanted to touch on that. So read Paul Miller's uh, uh editorial if you guys get the chance. It's a uh, it's, it's good. I, I I tend to agree a lot with Paul Miller. He's he's got it's a pretty smart dude. So anyway. I, I I don't know his history, Dan, so you may uh, feel differently. But Well, he's an interesting guy. He was a, a national, uh, what was he, Mark, a producer, I think, for ABC or something. In, I believe it was and, NBC in Los Angeles. Okay. And, and, then, uh, his, and then came and did the newspaper, and he's, he's done it well. He's not like the weekly that's always out there with their hand out, you know, uh, please give us money. We, we're eating porridge. And, uh, you know, and so he's held his own. He's become the place for real estate advertising, which we know on the peninsula, you know, is, is rampant. And, uh, and he has a bent that, I, that uh, is not as extreme as... He's not, not right wing. He's, he's, he would have been... Centrist. I bet you... This, yeah, he yes. would have been a Democrat 15 years ago. No. I think now he might be forced no. to... You don't think no, so? I think it'd be more like a uh, like a Nixonian Republican. Yeah, he's pretty. He's very level headed. I it's yeah. hard to really poke holes in the things that he says, and uh, oh. I I don't know. I heard. I think that's why his opponents county, like, despise him so much. <laughs> I run into people all the time that you know, like that that just refer to the Carmel Pinecone as like this, like, like it's Fox News. Spring. Yeah, like an extremist they, rag, and I'm yeah. like, "What are you talking about? Have you actually read that paper?" Uh, in fact, one of um, a, one of the, our great supervisors, like, was really disparaging about it because I told her that there was a letter to the editor about her, and it was wasn't very nice. And she's like, "I don't read the pinecone because it's filled with, you know." She she just thought it was kind of extreme, and I'm like, "I don't know about that. I mean, it's uh, it's it's pretty level headed." Right. So. Anyway, there's probably more stories to talk about this week. Uh, Mark, do you have anything that struck your interest? Uh, you know, uh, I think, that? you know, for me, um, I've kind of run through it. I, I One thing I am looking for, I could not find it, but um, for folks who live in District 5 on the Monterey Peninsula, you're going to be electing a new supervisor, 
And um, Kate Daniels is running for that seat, and she had a town hall meeting uh, earlier, I guess it was last week, maybe a couple of weeks ago, she had a town hall meeting in Pacific Grove. I was looking to see if she had any more town hall meetings scheduled, maybe coming up in February, but I don't see anything listed online, and there's nothing on her website about any more town hall meetings. And, but um, And I was at that town hall meeting. How did and, that go? And it, it was, probably will not be voting for her. Okay. I will not be. Well, unfortunately, there's not a there's not a really a viable alternative. Um, I don't care. I don't vote for anybody, but I ain't vote. Don't vote. The, you know, yeah, that's, that, the, that's the same with our senator. I mean, it's going to be Adam Schiff, and that's oh jeez, it's awful. That's an ad, the worst ad I think I've ever seen for somebody running for senator. Like he's, he's a little got some kid that he was like a, a big brother to. And oh, and I went to you. You know, when he was a kid, I was there, and then he graduated from you know one of the big Yale or something, and I was there. And then they bring on the kid. Oh, Adam's so wonderful. He's always there for me. And but and it's like, my God, this is what you're running on is that you were a big brother to somebody. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Well, and and I, I think that I will not vote for that man for. He could be running against a lot of people that I despise, and I still wouldn't vote for him. Yeah, and I think especially people should look at and and what ought to you know maybe slap a little sense of something into the the people at the political parties that that you know kind of decide well oh, you know we like this person as a candidate we're going to play. What is the the look at the total number of registered voters that vote in a general election? or say a state primary, okay? And then, uh, you know, you, you back out all of the people that aren't registered with your party, and you look at some of the items that are on the ballot, and um, propositions tend to get the highest number of votes, much more than partisan races. But a lot of times, the partisan races don't even get as many votes as like, let's say it's a Democrat, and uh, Democrats vote on a particular like Proposition One, and we're ta- we're taking people on the yes side and the no side, right? And so there's like a million votes there, but then say the statewide office that this person is on doesn't even reflect the total number of votes cast by members of their own party. Does it, you know, yeah. and so yeah. to, to me, that ought to be an, a, a wake up call that, hey, maybe we need better candidates. Well, this I wanted to go uh, over Kate, um, some of her Kate Daniels is um, her, her first two. And this is what I, I hate about a lot of, you know, people who are running for office there. It's kind of like I you know this is the equivalent of saying I like rainbows. Because they, they say, create new housing at all levels to build the community we know is possible. And then she the long-winded thing, they say, Monterey Peninsula is extremely high rents, make it difficult for residents to live in our community. We must create a county where everyone contributes to our economy, can afford to live here, and a community where neighborhoods of our teachers, nurses, government workers, first responders, local small business owners, tradespeople, hospitality workers, child care workers, agricultural workers, veterans... Parents and grandparents can live side by side. Kate knows Kate will fight to build more mixed un- income and multifamily housing where an opportunity exists. She doesn't. It doesn't say anything about like 
what are you going to do to make more houses? It's just going to magically appear. We all want more housing and affordable uh, housing. It doesn't. Somebody asked her at that town hall, how are you going to pay for this? And she came up with one answer, with a vacancy tax. So well, see, that doesn't make any sense. The, 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 the only way you're going to get more housing, and anybody, I guarantee if you talk to the owners of like SSB or Avila Construction or Granite Rock or any of these construction companies, the only thing that's going to make a difference is make it easier for developers to build houses. That's the only thing that's going to build more houses, and the only thing that's going to lower rents and housing prices is more houses. If we don't yeah. want more houses, then we need to shut our trap about affordable housing. Anyway. So there was an article yesterday I read that uh, a guy up in Lake Tahoe is actually going to the Supreme Court with this. He was charged, I think it was 28000 or something for a traffic impact fee. 23000 Was it twenty three To help the roads and stuff that he says, those already existed. Those should have been taken care of before I was here. How, why am I paying for something that existed before? But he's like, where is it that me driving a car on those roads somehow is having an impact over and above my property taxes that I pay and my gas taxes I pay of $23,000 for a traffic. And we have a traffic impact fee here. You build a house here and you're paying a traffic impact fee. Right. You know, a, a Monterey County. Well, so, you know, you could you could argue that because of electric cars, the you know the impact of traffic on roads is not being adequately you know adequately captured by gas tax. But they need to get rid of the gas tax and then structure it differently. But they'll never get rid of the gas tax because that would incentivize using. Or charge gas. an electrical tax. It'll charge an electrical tax for vehicles. They're still using the roads. Yeah. So the I believe it's the Pacific. PLF, Pacific Legal Foundation, which is a property rights group, a libertarian um, public interest law firm, is representing this guy. They are his lawyers. And the point they're making as to why they believe this is illegal is because the tax is not proportional to this man's right. impacts and that all of these types of fees need to be made proportional. So that, um, you know, just because somebody decides to build a new home, government's deciding, well, let's stick it to this guy. What the hell is he going to do? He's just got to cough up the money. So they see new development and people as, you know, as, as like a, some sort of a cash cow, like the golden calf that they want to slay. And PLF is saying this is unconstitutional. So they're looking this is going to the united states supreme court and if this guy wins at the u.s supreme court it's game over for uh, cities and counties and states that uh, get involved in this chicanery and they're going to have to figure out a way to assess these types of fees proportionally and <laughs> the the contention on the government side is it would be far too complex to do that bs I mean, with the with the power of computers that we have today, programs that are available, right. you know, there's probably some smart guy at, at Stanford that can figure out, you know, design a program that'll get it right down to the tenth of a cent as to what each person would owe. Well, and the funny thing, too, with this in Pacific Grove and almost there's been like zero reporting on this, the school board. It has the power without going out for, you know, 218 and getting a vote. They have the power to charge a development fee. The school board does. Mm -hmm. The five clowns we got on the, the board right now. 
And they they recently passed the thing. You build something new in Pacific Grove, you want to build an ADU that's 600 square feet, you got to pay three grand to the school board now. And it's just tacked on to all the other stuff. Let's just charge and, So if you could imagine them building a low-income, three-story apartment complex at the Mission Linen's place, they'd be giving hundreds of thousands of dollars in fees just because five people on the school board decided you needed to, in addition to the ridiculous amount of tax, property tax they'll pay that goes to the school district. That's the main financing of the school district is mm -hmm. property tax. And this is over and above all the bonds they have us paying ad infinitum that, you know, build these freaking Taj Mahal stadiums at the high school. It's so, uh, it's pretty ridiculous. And people, I, I think, I think what we're hitting on though is we're hitting on all the reasons why it's difficult to build houses or condos. And apparently they can do it in Marina, but that took forever. That took 30 years to get that done. And, you know, over in Rancho uh, Colorado, is it? Or Rancho, yeah, I think it's Rancho Colorado, right? Uh, they were going to have a big development on the old golf courses there. Rancho Canada. Uh, Canada, sorry. Uh, and they, uh, and they failed. A lot of those failed. Like the, that's been stalled back. Paul Miller's written. Oh, there's a lot of those around here. And, uh, and so what we're talking about is like rainbow farts are, I mean, uh, unicorn farts and rainbows are not going to build new houses. So it's weird. I think it's weird that like someone like Kate Daniels can just come out with like these bland messages and talk about like how, I just want to build this community where teachers and doctors can live aside. And it's like, who doesn't want that? It's like, I want world peace. It doesn't make it yeah. happen. Like you can't just here's say it. Answer. Yeah. And here's another one. Here's another one of those uh, kind of like vapid platitudes from her website is fight tirelessly for a sustainable water supply. Everything <laughs> depends on water, new water connections, changes in use, affordable housing construction, the replenishment of the seaside basin will fall into place when we have an adequate water supply. Kate will fight tirelessly to secure a reliable, sustainable, and affordable water supply for the 5th District and Monterey County. What does that mean? Is that Monterey yeah. One Water? Is that a, is that a desalinization plant? Is that a pipe? Is that a pipe from the Central Valley? What? No, she brought up Lake Elestero. Lake Elestero. Let's that's going to that's gonna save the county. Is, is the outflow from Lake Elestero yep. is going to save, is going to solve yep. our water issues. That's That was her one answer. For instance, Lake Elestero, why are we not catching the... And it's like, excuse me, really? Do you remember when they drained Lake Elestero and there was goose crap? Duck crap, yes. twenty yes. feet deep. Well, yep. you could, you could, you could use Lake Elastera water, but the needs of the county—they can't even agree on what they need. The you know, Calam says we're going to need something like fifteen thousand acre feet by uh, two thousand fifty, and then the you know the Monterey One people say no, we only need ten thousand. Right. So that's thirty percent difference, thirty-three percent difference. We can't even agree on what we need, and yeah. then. Like those solutions, like the outflow of Lake Elastero, that's great, but you're talking about like a half How an acre. It's nothing. It's like it's yeah. a, a literal drop in the bucket. And so that, that's what I'm talking about, like these vapid platitudes. It's like these people, I think they understand the problem, but they don't, like they won't talk. Like, yeah, they won't talk to the specifics of the solution yeah. because to real, get a real solution, you're probably going to need a giant pipe from the Central Valley and or a giant desal plant if you really want Monterey County to grow. But again, I don't know what the ulterior motors all. I've always thought this is just a lever by the anti-growth people. Yeah. 
uh, you know, but I don't know that. To be Guys, expect, I'm, but. I'm late for a conference call, so um, I'm going to have to wrap it up here. i got to go, too. And so, gentlemen, same place next week. All right. Well, everybody, thin slice of heaven right here. Go to uh, whatstheplanmonterey.com uh, to listen to our episodes. And, uh, you know, tweet or, uh, or send me an email, paul.wyant. Uh, I spelled it last week, paul.wyant at expresspros.com if you want to make a comment on the show. And thanks for listening, everyone, and see you next Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Take care.